Last week, Jacob started a series on the Advent. And you may remember that the word Advent is essentially a word that describes the expectation, the coming, and the arrival of Jesus. So this week, I plan to continue along those same lines and have a few thoughts that I want to share with you in regard to a couple of scriptures. But before I do, I've got to give you a disclaimer. So like many of you parents, I'm sure, when your kids were young, you had a children's version of the Bible. Simplified stories, but you know, hitting the high points, right? And so Lisa and I, of course, had Bibles for our kids, and we'd typically read a story with them each night before they go to sleep. So one night I'm reading with Benny, and he's actually doing the reading, and I'm listening along, and you know, it, night and I'm kind of getting a little drowsy and I'm, I'm paying attention but he says a, a name that catches my attention and kind of wakes me up. He's, he reads about a, a character named Malachi <laughs> and I thought you know I, I, maybe that's like some obscure Israelite king that I just don't remember and I asked him again I said who, who did you say and he said Malachi and I, it just didn't ring true with me. And I said, well, show me what you're reading. And so he pointed to me, pointed it out to me, and he was reading about Malachi. <laughs> and so, of course, Lisa and I got a chuckle out of that. And from that point forward, even till today, Malachi is Malachi to us. <laughs> and so the reason I share that with you today is because one of the scriptures that we're going to be looking at comes from Malachi. And so if I slip up and call it Malachi, at least now you know why. <laughs> the motto of the Boy Scouts is be prepared. Yeah, I could tell from the response. Some of you were scouts. You know what it is. You know, I was a scout too. And, of course, as a teenager, I found that to be kind of corny. I thought, okay, be prepared. But as I have gotten older and hopefully matured a bit, I have come to realize that it's actually a very good life principle to be prepared. To be prepared for the things that you expect and to the extent possible, be prepared for the things that you don't expect. Be prepared. This notion of being prepared supports an aspect of the Advent that I want to share with you today. Specifically, be prepared because when God promises something, he delivers. Let me say that again. Be prepared because when God promises something, he will deliver it. You know, even though our next presidential election is almost a year away, it seems like we're already in the thick of it. Lots of presidential candidate wannabes making promises about this and that, trying to be heard above the crowd. And the reality is, of course, many of those promises go unfulfilled. And it's not just politicians. I don't want to break bad on politicians per se, but it's, it's the nature of the human condition, I would say, to make promises that don't get fulfilled. It's easy to make a promise, right? Those words can roll off our lips very easily, I promise. But fulfilling it can be another matter. I would tell you, though, that with our God, it is not that way. Let me describe to you the context in which Malachi speaks to the people and writes to the Israelites. Recall from your Old Testament history that the 
Israelites had been liberated from Egypt and they had gone into the promised land. The kingdom had prospered up to the point where it reached, I'd say, the pinnacle under the reign of King David. Things were good up to that point. From that point on, things started going a bit downhill. The Israelites became less and less obedient to God. Ultimately, the kingdom split. They were conquered by foreign nations, carted off as exiles. The kingdom was virtually no more. But later on, they were allowed to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and rebuild the temple and reestablish a, a resemblance of the life that they had known previously. So at this point, you'd think, okay, things are good. Well, it's during this time that Malachi writes, and things are not so good. Even though Israel had experienced what I would call a near-death experience, they were still behaving badly. And it's for this reason that Malachi writes and prophesies about the text that we're going to look at here in a minute. Israel didn't have the same close relationship with God that they had enjoyed previously. They looked around at other nations that seemed to be prospering, and they asked the question, why is this happening to us? Why are these other people prospering and we're not? Where is God in all this? What is he doing? Where is God? Why doesn't he do something? So I would tell you that all of us have experienced waiting. Waiting is hard. Think about Abraham and Sarah, kind of the classic model of waiting that we see in the scripture. God had made a promise to him, but it took a long time for that to be fulfilled. I think, you know, we could each think about times in our own lives when things just aren't going as you really think they ought to be, as you expected they were going to be, or just taking a whole lot longer than it seems like they should be. It's easy to think, what is God doing? It's easy to get distracted and to forget about what has been promised or lose confidence that it's ever going to be fulfilled. So these same sentiments are expressed in Psalm 80. I think Jacob mentioned last week that for each Sunday in this series of the, of the Advent, he was, was going to identify a companion psalm that expresses some of the same feelings and sentiments that uh, each lesson uh, portrays. And as I said, the one for this week is Psalm 80. I'm not going to get into it uh, in depth here today, but I would encourage you to, to read it. It's a... Uh, it's a uh, reflection of the Israelites' desire for salvation, desire for liberation, while they're, while they're waiting. Uh, and it's, it reflects just how tough that was for them during that period. Okay, so let me get into the text a little bit. So I'll read uh, from the third chapter of Malachi. The people have been grumbling. Malachi has uh, told them, look, you're not acting right. So the verses that I'm, read, I'm going to start reading here in chapter 3 is the voice of God in response. God says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. 
He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in the days gone by, as in former years. So to paraphrase what God's response is, is basically he says, look, I'm going to do something, but you may not like it. You may not like how this goes. As I'd mentioned, Israel was not living the way they should, and Malachi describes here what they should expect. They need to be prepared. And the metaphors that Malachi uses here of smelting silver and of doing laundry are both ones that yield a favorable result. I'll say purified metals, purified silver, clean laundry. Everybody likes clean laundry. But the path they get there is sometimes difficult, sometimes not very pleasurable, and that's the, the thing that Malachi is talking to them about here that they need to be prepared for. Okay, now, let's fast forward several hundred years to the New Testament times. So we're, we're in the New Testament, and you remember the context is that, okay, Jerusalem has been reestablished, but they are occupied by Rome. Rome is clearly in charge. Israel is not the strong and sovereign nation that they once were in the past. But it's during this time that a new prophet appears on the scene. This is where we first meet John the Baptist. And Jesus himself actually confirms that John is the one who was prophesied in Malachi. The words of Jesus from Matthew, starting in chapter 11 and verse 7, as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, men dressed in fine clothes live in palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, a prophet. I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. And here Jesus quotes the scripture that I just read from Malachi. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Then later on, Luke describes the arrival of John the Baptist in Luke chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Aturia, and Traconitus, and Lysinus, Tretrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling out in the desert, prepare the ways of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked road shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So I hope that you can see the similarity and the tie between these two passages of Scripture, tying the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, when you watch a TV show, oftentimes when it gets to the end, there's a voiceover that comes on and says, stay tuned for our next episode, or scenes from our next episode and so you know the purpose of that obviously is to kind of hook you a little bit so you'll want to come back and see the next one 
and it gives you just a glimpse of what's to come, but doesn't really fill in all the blanks. Just sets an expectation, but doesn't give you the full story. And likewise, then when you do tune in the following week and watch the episode, it starts out with, here's some scenes from our last show, and reminds you of where things were left off the last time you watched. And it's, the purpose of that is a reminder. It's a reminder to provide a thread of continuity between, or between the episodes of a story that spans over a long period of time. And that's essentially what's going on here with John the Baptist as he comes onto the scene. John is serving that role as a reminder to the Israelites of the past promises of God and what they can look forward to in the future. So here we see in this text from Luke, John the Baptist call for straight level paths as he quotes from Isaiah. You know, the, uh, the description of straight paths is one that we see in scripture a lot. Many of you are familiar with this. Proverbs 3, 5, trust not, trust in the Lord, not in your own understanding. Submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Straight paths. Straight paths was a good thing. But you think about old-time highways. Think about Highway 84 that goes from Livermore down to San Jose. It's an old-time highway that largely follows the terrain of the earth. So there's lots of curves and lots of hills and lots of dips Maybe kind of interesting, but they're not necessarily the safest or the best roads, and they're just they're easy to build. That's why they were built that way. As compared to our modern interstate system that is straight and flat, but they're hard to build. They're expensive. But the point that John makes here is that that is what is appropriate for our God, and it is going to take some effort. Be prepared. So both. Malachi and John express the sense of be careful what you ask for. God will deliver, but it may not be as what you expected or may not be as what you hoped for. Israel was eager for the delivery from the Romans with the expectation that they would once again become a great nation. But what God did was a little bit different than that. Israel had a hard time accepting that. However, John was very clear about what we about it as seen by how he addresses those who came out to see him and to hear him. And I want to continue on in this passage of Luke. John con continues to say, John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Those fighting words, right? Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So what are we this many thousands of years removed from these passages to take away from this. The coming of salvation through Jesus was prophesied and it's been fulfilled, right? So we're on this side of the cross, so all this is history, right? Is this the end of the story? Well, I would tell you, no, it's not. You know, we may like to think that we are different than the people that Malachi prophesied to. We may like to think that we're different than the people that John encountered, but we're really not. Even though Jesus has come and brought the gift of salvation to us, there is action required on our part. Now, let me be clear. 
We are saved by grace, not by works. But there is an expected response to what has been done for us through Jesus. Just like John told his hearers, repentance, it's a good start, but that's not the end. There's got to be good fruit. There's got to be good fruit produced, good fruit in the sense of living our lives the way God wants us to live them, to turn from our old ways. Furthermore, even though Jesus has come, the good news is he's coming again. He's coming again, and therefore we need to be prepared to meet him. You know, Jesus had several things to say about being prepared in many of his parables. But there's one in particular that really troubled me for a long time. And it's a parable that you're all familiar with. It's the parable about the fella who was thrown out of the wedding feast because he didn't have on the right clothes. And you remember the story. So the, the king had prepared a wedding banquet for his son and had invited folks to come to it. And when it came time for it, the invitees largely didn't show up. They were busy. They didn't want to come. They didn't care. Whatever the reasons were, they just didn't show up. The king was angered by this, and he dispatched his servants to go out into the streets and invite everyone. And so this fellow in the parable was one of those who was invited. So he was invited. Okay, I'll show up. But then when the king came in and saw him, he said, friend, how did you get in here? Where are your wedding clothes? Cast him out of here. And I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty harsh. That seems unfair. He didn't do anything. Well, that's exactly the point. He didn't do anything. Change was required. Literally a change of clothes in the parable, but figuratively a change of lifestyle for us, the recipients of that same parable. So I'm about to wrap things up, and I want to ask the praise team to come on back up here, if you would, please. But the point of that parable, I, th I believe, is that just showing up is not enough. There's no trophy for just showing up. There's got to be change, and that's what John points out. Change in our lives need to occur. So if you need to be prepared you need to get prepared, if you need to change in response to what Jesus has done for you, the type of change that scripture tells us is required, you can do so today. John called for repentance through baptism, and that call still rings true today. We have water available if you wish to come forward to get ready and be prepared through baptism for the next advent of Jesus as we stand up and sing this next song. <laughs>